What's up, everybody? I am Brett L. Pape. That's Coach Bruce. And this is The Coach Approach. Coach, it's good to see you again. I missed last week. Last Wednesday, I wasn't feeling well. And this week, I had a Halloween party Saturday. And my wife and I had to get a hotel because it wasn't, uh, you know, where we live. We we live out in the middle of anywhere, nowhere. And if, uh, we want to do something in town and we're going to jump all drinking. We got to get a hotel, which meant no Sunday morning show. So it's great to see you, Coach. Hey, man, great to see you, too. I apologize for the hotel lighting. This is life of a traveling salesman man we tried to play around with the lights before we went live and it wasn't working and then you can see we uh shaved the beard this uh past weekend and went a little bit too too low so now look like i've got the porn stash so i apologize for those of you watching yeah, you, that was you, not you intentional look like you're dressed up for halloween still you're casper i was travis kelsey the, i should have played there, it off there you go you're travis yeah. kelsey there you go should have played it off all right, Coach, let's jump right into it. And, uh, you know, the big news of the week was the trade deadline. And unfortunately, and I say only unfortunately, because us NFL fans, man, as we go into these things expecting a whole lot of action. And there was action and there were some big moves made. However, there weren't a lot of moves that really had a lot of effect on fantasy football. But we'll get into the NF moves as it relates into some big moves, teams who are trying to win it all this year made yesterday and the first one we're going to re go on is uh san francisco 49ers they seem to get richer and richer and they do it by sending a third round pick to Ch for chase young so they sent the pick to washington uh chase young former number two pick in the draft uh 12 solo tackles on the season with five sacks coach how are you going to do anything against these guys with the type of defensive line they have yeah i mean <laughs> It's crazy. You had Chase Young, Eric Armstead, Jason Hargrave, Nick Bosa. You 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 talked about it, but so follow me for a second here, right? So you get I saw this on ESPN's Instagram. So you have I guess the cool kids call it IG, whatever. You know, so old guys will call it Instagram. But so the Commanders have traded Trent Williams back in 2020, and now Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers for just two third round picks and a fifth round pick. And then there's a caveat to that that you brought up earlier. So you want to hit on that. You're more than welcome to do that now. Well, in the third round pick this year, it looks like, well, it doesn't look like if they let him walk and don't re-sign him after the season, they're going to get a compensator. Excuse me. Compensator. I can't even say the word. Pick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. I haven't I have no you alcohol. Phonics, folks. So, uh, this is the this is my effects of not drinking prior to the show. So, anyways. They're going to get a third round pick right back. So they're eventually, they're essentially renting him for the rest of the season if they're not going to be able to re sign him. And looking at the guys they've spent money on, we talk about what it's allowed them to do by having a Brock Purdy with an $850,000 uh, contract. It's allowed them to spend a lot of money. But there is the end of the road at some point. So I don't really expect them to sign him back. So what that means is they're getting him for free because they're going to get a pick right back after the season when he leaves for free agency. So uh, definitely a chess move by the San Francisco 49ers, uh, but Washington wasn't done. Not only did they send one of their defensive ends out of the uh, city, they also got rid of Montez Sweat. Uh, he goes to the Bears for a 24-second round pick. He's got 21 tackles for 6.5 sacks. A lot of people have talked about how do the Bears spend more to get Sweat than what the 49ers did 
to get young. And yes, what is older, but his production over the last three or four years is actually even better than what Chase Young has done. So I don't hate the move for the Bears, but it sure would have made me feel a lot better for the, the better about the move if they already had a contract in place for him to stick around after this season. What are your thoughts, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, your your best what's what's the saying? How's it go? Your best ability is availability, and and that's what you're getting with Montez Sweat versus Chase Young, who was a second overall pick, and he goes for a third versus you know what they got for what they traded Montez Sweat for to Chicago. But the Bears were ten sacks on the year. You mentioned Sweat's got six and a half this year in his time in Washington. Now you pair him with Yannick and Joku, you've got a little bit better of a defensive line. But what makes it interesting is that at the end of the year, if you don't lock him up long term. What have the Bears really accomplished, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, you know, the Bears are uh, Matt Eberflus, right? I mean, we, we've talked about him before and some of the questionable moves that he's made and, and some of the things he's done. But, you know, hey, it's, it's a good thing for the Bears. Good thing for Montez Sweat. It's a good thing for Chase Young. Those guys wanted out. They got out. And maybe it's maybe that's what it is, right? You free up a little bit of cap space. You move some guys who weren't happy where they were at. And you just you start fresh. Yeah, they definitely start fresh. And a lot of people on Twitter took to the, to the take that this move shows that they're more apt to be on board with Justin Fields because yep. a lot of people were saying that if, if they weren't looking, if they're looking to simply get that first pick with their Carolina pick and their second or third pick with their own pick and they were going to go a different direction, what is the reason to make this move if, if that's the direction they were going to go? So – uh, this could be good move, excuse me, good news for Justin Fields as far as him staying in Chicago. But the first move that actually has something to do with uh, you know fantasy relevance, and that's Josh Dobbs going uh, yeah. to Detroit for a six round pick. Do- excuse me, Josh Dobbs. Yes, Josh Dobbs going to Minnesota for a seventh round pick, uh, and Minnesota getting a six rounder. Uh, excuse me, one more time, struggling very much with this. I need to go get a drink, obviously. Uh, but Josh Dobbs in a seventh-round pick to Minnesota with a six-rounder going to Arizona. Um, Dobbs, you know, he played well. They got him late in the uh, preseason. In fact, I think it was only a week and a half prior to the season starting, and uh, he's completed 62% of his passes, 1,569 yards on the season with eight touchdowns and five interceptions. We're going to get into the Kirk Cousins injury here in a minute. Uh, but before we do, let's just talk about what you think Dobbs does for that offense the rest of the season. Well, I think there's a few reasons for Minnesota you do this, right? I'll narrow it down to two. One, you think you're a playoff team. You're four and four. Yes, you've lost Justin Jefferson for a few games. You're going to get him back. You've been able to, to stay. You've got the Packers and move backwards. Aaron Rodgers now in New York Jet. And then you've got Jordan Love, and we, we, we talked about him, how that right now is not looking very, very good. But Bears, both those guys have only two wins. So, yeah, Detroit Lions to me is the cream of the crop, but you have a chance technically to make the playoffs. And so the Vikings are going to say, hey, we think Josh Dobbs gives us the best chance to make the playoffs, gives us time with Jaron Hall, who's going to have to start this week while Josh Dobbs gets familiar with the program. But in Kevin O'Connell's system, he likes quarterbacks that have some mobility. So they're going to put him in a good situation. I think he played well enough in Arizona for Kevin O'Connell to feel like, hey, here's a guy that can come in. He can step right in. He can fit within the system. He's going to get a Justin Jefferson back in the lineup. Josh Dobbs is like, so I get Justin Jefferson. I get Jordan Addison. I get TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Yes, please. And thank you very much. Worked out pretty good for him. 
It did. It did. And I think this move says a lot, too, with where Arizona is going in the direction as far as at the quarterback position for them, because a lot of people felt like uh, or, you know, there certainly was a lot of talk that Kyler Murray is going to be gone at the end of the year. They're not even going to play him and this and that. I think this move shows us that uh, while Murray may not be ready to play this week, um, they're able to get a quick look at Clayton Toon, see what they have in him before they hand the reins back over to Kyler Murray. So I think this move certainly tells us that we're going to see Kyler Murray play. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You're going to get a chance to see Clayton Toon. You're going to get a chance to see Darren Hall uh, out of BYU, the rookie who started from Minnesota. So it's it, it's, an, it's a fun time for those of us that spend a lot of time in the offseason breaking down the NFL draft and all of the players coming into the draft and, and where we think they're going to fall and all the mock drafts. Now you get a chance, you know, with these two guys get a chance as rookies to come in and start an NFL game in year one. Yeah. And you know, if we, we're, I don't think any of us talk about him. If I look at the script real quick, but uh, that will Levis, I guess we'll get into a little bit later in the yeah. Thursday night game, but uh, you talk about rookies getting the opportunity and hoping they can do something with it. Will Levis certainly did that last week. Let's move on to uh, the next trade that I almost kind of gave away when I mixed up Josh Dobbs with Donovan People-Jones. But Donovan People-Jones moves to Detroit for 2024 sixth-round pick. Uh, Donovan only has eight receptions this year for 97 yards with no touchdowns. But last year, he he showed. He kind of, uh, yeah. I, I guess, had a mini breakout with 61 receptions for 839 yards and three TDs last year. Um, move kind of tells you more and more what we – are beginning to find out about Jamison Williams. His development hasn't been uh, what you would want to see in a first-round pick. Um, and it also tells you, I know I have a few people on Twitter that are big-time Detroit yeah. uh, Lion fans. In fact, you and I both had Chris Robin on yeah. a, a couple years ago on the show, and he talked about his disappointment with him not merely really making much of a big move. But I think this move's going to work out better for them uh, than a lot of people think. No, what it does, it gives you a veteran that's, that's had some success. We talked about what he did last year in Cleveland. And now you bring a vertical option, a guy that plays on the outside. And to your point earlier about Jameson Williams, they're not seeing what they wanted to in terms of Jameson Williams right now. But you bring in a guy like DPJ that can play on the outside and give you a vertical threat. Marvin Jones Jr., unfortunately, is dealing with a family situation, so we don't know how long he's going to be out. So you're creating the Lions feel like they're going to make a run. And look, they're one of the top five teams in the NFC, and some people have them in the top three. They want to have depth at what they feel is a critical position in that offense. So it's it's a good move for everybody. DPJ coming off a uh, 78% route participation, so he's on the field, only an 8% target share and 8% targets per route run, which means when he's on the field, he's running routes on every play, and he's only getting 8% of the targets. So it's a great situation for both teams. It gives them a fresh start in a different offense. So we'll see how it goes. It does. And he's certainly going to have better quarterback play than what he's seen oh, yeah. this year. 100%. So, so I like the move. Uh, all right, here we go. We're, 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 that's pretty much all the trades we'll get in. I think I did like the Leonard Williams move yeah. uh, for Seattle. Um, obviously, with uh, Philadelphia getting the safety. Uh, so there were other moves, but we're going to move on for now because they were done prior to yesterday's deadline. Uh God, you hated to see it because Kirk Cousins the last few years has been such a stable person that you can put in in your lineup, especially in Superflex, and feel really good about. And prior to this year and even last year, you, he was a guy you were able to get in the late mid-rounds. And uh, unfortunately, he's out for the year with a torn Achilles. Um, love to see the next day when Minnesota had some sort of uh, 
Halloween thing at the stadium. He'd come back. He had his little uh, kind of stroller type thing yeah. he was using. Uh, but but that's certainly a tough loss for Kirk Cousins and for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, again, huge loss. You know, Justin Jefferson's going to come back from injury, and, and you're you're winning some games, and you're starting to see what T.J. Hawkinson can do in this offense. So, and, and Kirk Cousins arguably is having the best year of his NFL career, and he's had some good years. But an opportunity for him to play really well down the stretch and maybe make a run in the playoffs. And so it's very, very unfortunate for a guy that puts a lot of effort and time and energy into his craft. And so it's it's frustrating for Minnesota Vikings fans. But and you know you hope that, that hey, if I'm Kirk Cousins. I'm calling up Aaron Rodgers right now and figuring out, hey, whatever the frick it is you're doing, I want a piece of that because you're already out there throwing the ball around pregame. Yeah, the only difference, though, is there's no shot that he would – I mean, I, I don't even think there's no. a shot Aaron's going to be able to get back. So it it's is a, a little different sure. situation because Kirk is looking at year 24. He's not looking yeah. for some playoff push. But another quarterback going down, if you're in a super flex league, you've got all these buys, you've got all these quarterback injuries – it's rough. I mean, this is going to be the second week in a row where I'm going to have to play a positional player in my super flex flex spot instead of being able to use a quarterback. And well, let's get into it. That's Matthew Stafford day to day UCL sprain in his right thumb. Uh, you know, he's a tough son of a gun. So it wouldn't shock me if he played Sunday, but he currently uh, doesn't look like he's training away, trending that way where they did not participate in today's practice. Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? You get Puka Nakua and you get Cooper Cup just got back, and now you got Matthew Stafford out with UCL sprain. To me, the Rams aren't going anywhere this year. You know, I get Matthew Stafford's getting older, but at the same time, it's like, hey, if you need an extra week, take the extra week. There's no point in rushing back. Look, Brett Ripien, you know, get an opportunity out of the great Boise State University. Give him a chance to play a little bit. So what is he, the nephew of Mark Rippon, Super Bowl champ? I believe so, yes, that's correct. All right, let's get to another injury. And uh, when we saw the injury, we saw the news coming out of Pittsburgh. Didn't look like we would be able to have a Kenny Pickett play this week. But yesterday he said he's a full go. He's going to play. And then today he had a full participation of practice. So he left the game with the uh, rib injury. Mitchell Trubisky took over. But it looks like it's still going to be Kenny Pickett. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because that offense has been very tough to watch this year. Yeah, we're going to get into that with a Thursday night football matchup. Yeah, it's it's been a rough offense to watch, especially in the run game. You do get Deontay Johnson back over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's seeing the target share we wanted him to see. And George Pickens has put together a few good games, I think over 100 yards in two of the last three games. So if you're a Steelers fan, you'd like to see Kenny Pickett play. It's a favorable matchup. We'll get into that in a little bit. But always frustrating when you see a quarterback go down. Yep, and we got another one. Um, yep. But fortunately, he was the backup, and it looks like – the starter is going to be able to play this week, but that's Tyrod Taylor. Um, Tyrod Taylor suffered a rib issue again, much like Kenny Pickett, uh, left the game. Uh, but Daniel Jones with reports this week, he was able to uh, be cleared for contact, and today he had a full participant uh, at practice, so it looks like he's back. Sure hope we see uh, the Daniel Jones that we kind of wanted to see because what we saw from that giant offense with him in there wasn't pretty. Yeah. Look at that giant offense in year two with Brian Dayball has taken a big leap backwards. I mean, Daniel Jones came out and had a great year last year considering where he was at first a couple of years in the NFL and the, the Dayball offense. And now you have Darren Waller, who's probably going to miss this week with the hamstring. The wide receiver unit is <laughs> they're pretty much five guys that all do the same thing. Right. So 
it, it's a tough situation there in New York right now, but at least you're going to get Daniel Jones back this week. And to your point, you know, hopefully we see him have play the way he did down the stretch last year. All right. Uh, two versus two. Let's get to our first question of the night. Uh, two versus two league. I get Bijan for and Kincaid for ETN. I had Darren Waller with best. Da, 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 da. Uh, my first thought is that uh, I love what I'm seeing out of ETN. Um, and I haven't, and you were even talking about it prior to the show as a Bijan uh, manager. You sure haven't been too pleasant. You haven't been happy the last few weeks, um, but we talk about it over and over again. Uh, I, I'm going to take the two for one here. I feel like Bijan's only going to get better. I think we've seen what Kincaid can do with the breakout that he had last week. So it's Bijan and Kincaid for me. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly close. You're going to get Bijan Robinson. You know, I'm a huge Bijan guy and what his ability is and talent wise, generational back coming in this draft. And you get Kincaid now with Dawson Knox and a high powered offense. And as the tight end one in that, I'll, I'll take that two for one all day long. Love Travis Etienne. Love what he's doing this year. I think he's the RB two overall this year right now, but uh, I'll take Bijan and Kincaid for sure. All right. Hey, thank you so much for the question. We got another question we'll get to as soon as we're done with the injuries. So let's get to the next one. Drake London groin injury. Uh, definitely something you want to monitor for the rest of the week. He did not participate today in practice. Um, for me, a little disappointing, obviously, uh, because you've liked what you've seen out of Drake London lately. And more importantly, you kind of like that they're making a switch at the quarterback. Um, your thoughts on Drake London? Love the talent. Liked him coming out. I, I think what's frustrating about this situation is if Drake London can't go, that wide receiver room is now Van Jefferson, Kaderil Hodge, Matt Collins, and Scotty Miller. And I would say, hey, this is great for Kyle Pitts, John o. Smith, and Bajon Robinson as far as the passing game goes. But then I'm reminded that this is an Arthur Smith-led offense. So there's some concerns there. But hopefully Drake London can play. And uh, such a great talent, man. I, I'd hate to see him miss any time. Yeah, the, it, it's just when he was starting to get going. So hopefully, yep. like you said, it, it doesn't last long. Uh, next injury is unfortunate because this is a guy who was a wide receiver one for his team, um, which isn't in a great offense. But at the same time, Kendrick Bournes looked pretty good this year, but he's going to be out for the year with an ACL injury. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne, man, tough one. I had a buddy of mine that, that I told, he was asking me to start and sit question. I told him to play Kendrick Bourne. Sure enough, he gets a touchdown early in the game, and he's lighting me up, and he's all excited. And then he ends up getting hurt, and he ended up losing the matchup anyway. and had nothing to do with Kendrick Bourne. He got, he got his butt kicked in the matchup, but – you got Devontae Parker now in the concussion protocol. That means this wide receiver room right now is Jalen Rager, Demario Douglas, Deshaun Butte, Tyquan Thornton, and Juju Smith-Schuster. So kind of like who's got a worse situation if both those guys are out, Atlanta or uh, the New England Patriots? Tough situation, yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, while we're at it, let's just get to this question by Garrett because yep. he's talking about uh, Demario Douglas. You just brought him up. Um, and because of the injury to Bourne, if it were me, I'm going to go with Douglas over Robinson. Yeah, I'm going to go with Douglas, too. One, you got uh, Daniel Jones coming back this week. That Giants offense does not look good. They can't figure out how to get their wide receivers the ball in space and take advantage of their skill set right now. So I'm definitely going to go with Demario Douglas because there is not nothing left now that Kendrick Bourne is out in that wide receiver room. So there's going to be – and, hey, he's a guy that will get you in rounds. He can get you some movement in the screen game. He gets some yards after the catch. So I would go to Mario Douglas. One more question before we move on, and that is from Tingley. Is trading Devontae Smith for Ayuk an upgrade or a lateral move? I think for redraft, it is an upgrade for uh, 
dynasty. I have Ayuk uh, one spot higher than Smith, so that's more of a lateral move. But how about you, Coach? Yeah, it, it, it's a lateral move, but yeah, I, I like Ayuk a little bit better. Uh, I like because... Ayuk for the season this year. Yeah. He's the clear number one there. Yeah, I think I think it is an upgrade for this year. Um, but overall, dynasty, dynasty toss up. It's lateral. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last injury uh, before we get into week eight recap. And this is another guy who's just started to get going. Um, had a lot of high expectations uh, in a trade from uh, Las Vegas to New York. And that's tight end Darren Waller. Leaves the game with a hamstring injury. He's kind of been dealing with it all year long. But this one looks like it may lead him to move to the IR, which is really uh, unfortunate, especially with Daniel Jones coming back. Yeah, he, look, he's missed 14 games over the last two years, hasn't missed a game so far this year, and he was just finally starting to get rolling. And, and now you, you go to Daniel Bellinger if uh, Wilson miss, Waller misses time, and Daniel's only got four grabs on five targets for 22 yards on the season, so it's a big downgrade at the tight end position for, for the Giants. It is, it is. I like Bellinger, though. I, I kind of like what too. we saw from him last year. I, I think anytime you can get a Waller, and I believe they only gave up a third-round pick to do so, um, you do it. But uh, I'm not completely – in fact, if he's on a waiver wire and you have a deep bench, I have no problem with picking up Bellinger. Um, let's get into our Week 8 recap. Only going to touch three games this week because we've got a, a, a portion at the end of the show regarding the award winners where, you know, most seasons or every season prior to last year, we'd be officially at the halfway mark. So we're going to take that opportunity to give our uh, preseason awards. So – before we do that, let's get into week eight recap. We've got a big win for Philadelphia. The move on to seven and one. They beat a much closer game than I think probably a lot of people thought, but they win 38 to 31. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 318 yards passing, four touchdowns. Big win for the Eagles. Yeah, it's another big game for Jalen Hurts. Uh, it was good to see, you know, he's had the knee injury and it was good to see him or the knee brace, but playing a little bit better this week and seemed a little bit more mobile this week. And But Sam Howell, look, these guys had an opportunity to win this game. 39 of 52, 397, four touchdowns, uh, only one interception. That Washington right now with Sam Howell and what they're doing, Jahan Dotson, eight grabs, 108 yards. He played well. Brian Robinson gets you 5.9 yards per carry. There's some there's some concerns if I'm the Eagles about what they're doing. This is Kevin Byer, the, the safety they got from Tennessee. Um, is now in the secondary there, but this, this Eagles pass defense is a is a big concern. It is, it is, and it, it's 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 neat to see what Washington's able to do. Yeah, they're they're not able to kind of get over the hump and get the win, um, but but in some ways I'm liking what you're seeing from the offense. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Kind of an upset, not kind of an upset. Uh, when you saw Cincinnati Bengals and the way they started the season. You saw how Joe Burrow was playing with the calf injury. I don't think a lot of people expected the outcome that we saw Sunday, and that was Bengals winning 31-17. Joe Burrow is – oh, that's over San Francisco. Uh, Joe Burrow is officially back. If He's he's certainly showing no signs of still being hurt. In fact, at one point in the game, he completed 19 straight passes, uh, finished 28 of 32 for 283 yards um, against a defense that – it wasn't three weeks ago that after they beat Dallas that they were already Super Bowl champs in a lot of people's eyes. That's a big win on the road for them. Oh, it's a massive win. And look, the reality is you're right. Joe Burrow's absolutely back. The calf train's no longer an issue. Even social mobility uh, and, and playing off script a little he bit. Had a big some, run on a third had down. A big run. Play. Yep. 
you know, Brock Purdy, hey, this is three losses in a row for San Francisco. He's got five interceptions thrown in the last three games. Yes, he threw for 365. A lot of that was in garbage time, trying to trying to bring the Niners back late. But And he led the team in six carries for 57 yards as Brock is starting to use his legs more. But that's also a testament to San Francisco's inability to get their run game going with the running back room. So there's some concerns in San Francisco, man. But that's why you go out and you make moves. You make trades. You're you're never content that you've you've made it. You're you're continuing trying to build your roster. So I expect San Francisco to rebound big after the bye week, and I expect Cincinnati to be a threat the rest of the season, which no, is what I we like thought Cincinnati. they would be coming in. I like them you a know, lot. You and you and I you and I put together, or we kind of re, re we re went over our uh, Super Bowl pick. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think the with what we're seeing from the next team, we're going to talk about um, the AFC is not as tough on top as it has been because of teams like Buffalo and teams like we're going to get into Kansas City in a minute, but they're, they're are showing that there's some, uh, you know, suspectable sparks on their team. So let's yeah. get in Denver Broncos 24, Kansas City 9. Uh, Broncos, man, they snap a 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs. Uh, a lot of people thought we might see a flu game like we saw to Michael Jordan. Uh, it didn't come to fruition as Patrick Mahomes struggled along with that entire offense. Thoughts on that game? Well, first thing, Taylor Swift wasn't there, so we should have expected that they wouldn't play well. Uh, 274 total yards for the Kansas City Chiefs, only 200 yards through the air, 62 yards on the ground. 4.8 yards per play is not bad, but when you only go 3 for 10 on third downs and you only run 57 total plays, which is not bad, but you're not moving the ball, you're not – getting and converting third and fourth downs. You went for it three times on, on fourth down and converted one on the other side of the ball. It wasn't like the Denver Broncos. This is a team that gave up 70 points to Miami and then only gives up nine to the chiefs, right? Kick three field goals. So if you have a Harrison Bucker guy, great for you. Uh, Certainly helped me out in one of my leagues, but 87 yards passing for Denver, but 153 on the ground, only 3.7 yards per play, but, Six of 14 on third down, ran 65 total plays, controlled the clock, kept Kansas City's offense off the field. They couldn't get into a rhythm, and they stole one. I mean, that's that's the reality. These, these guys play 10 games. Kansas City wins 11 out of 10, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying, but I do think we're seeing progress in Denver. We are. I don't think this is the team that we saw a few yeah. weeks ago. Um, as limited as that passing game was, it was efficient. He was 12 of 19. He didn't make any mistakes. He did have a – one or two touchdown passes. Um, so I think it looks like they're not going to be a team that you can – like, let me put it to you a different way. If you've got a survivor pool, they're not someone you want to pick every week like you could have earlier or would want them to earlier in the year. Uh, let's move on to Garrett real quick. I think he was oh, before sorry. Super. Yeah. Sorry That's about all that. right. Yep. Garrett says thanks. Um, had Waller and held Kincaid just in case. Timing work worked out well. Is Kincaid a long-term solution, or does Knox come back and hurt Kincaid? Uh, Kincaid had more; he was more involved in the passing game early on, even with Knox in there. We got the breakout game we were looking for out of Kincaid last week. Um, I think it's all a jump on the train and ride Kincaid. I think you're perfectly fine with Kincaid. Yeah, hey, there's a lot of history on tight ends and rookie seasons and this, that, and the other. There's only two guys ever gone over a thousand yards and that's Kyle Pitts and Mike Ditka. It's not a position that you go in and just plug and play. We're now starting to see Colton Kincaid get his opportunity. He's capitalized on that opportunity with Knox out. 
I think we're going to see moving forward. This is the big slot guy we, we expect to see a little bit earlier, took a little bit longer than we wanted to, but at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised. But Dalton Kincaid, rest of season. Absolutely. Let's go to the super question. We started looking it up. You put it up before uh, we got to the other ones. So we've got a quarterback question. Uh, Levis or Hal. Uh, it's going to be Hal for me, um, but I love Will Levis. I, I don't hate if you go the other route. Yeah, hey, Will Levis, QB6 last week, uh, his first start, got four touchdowns, got DeAndre Hopkins involved, which is something the other quarterbacks could not do. But it's Sam Howell for me. He's done it consistently several games this year, over 300 yards. He had, we just went through his stats against the Eagles, which wants to be one of the better defenses in the NFL. So it's Sam Howell, and I don't even think it's close. <laughs> well, it could be close. I mean, if Levis goes out and throws four touchdowns tomorrow, it would be great to Unlikely, see Unlikely, but yeah, would be great to it see it. It would be great. That poor kid had to sit in the uh, green room or whatever room that was at the NFL draft, go the whole day without getting drafted. So uh, it, it, it's kind of nice to see that he was able to go out there and perform. All right, we've kept talking about the Tennessee and Pittsburgh game, so let's get into the Thursday night preview. you got Tennessee, three and four at Pittsburgh. Um, who wins? I'll go first. I like the Steelers, 17-14. How goes? How, how do you think, Coach? Yeah, so I kind of went back and forth because is it Kenny Pickett? Is it Mitch Trubisky? You know, what is this offense going to look like? Um, but I, I went Steelers 23 with the assumption that Kenny Pickett was going to play in a Tennessee Titans 13. I just think it's going to be tough. Will Levis struggled a lot against pressure in college, and now you face a team like the Steelers with T.J. Watt. Um, I think you're going to start to see, hey, now a team's got a full week to game plan for you. Yes, it's a short week, but now you've seen him play. And I think Pittsburgh wins this game 23-13, which means Steelers get the minus three. And then you got the, the yep. 36 and a half is the over-under. I've got them right at 36 points. So just barely the under for me. I think you're you close I, on I, that I, too, I believe. I've got the Steelers as well, and, I, and I'm definitely the under. Uh, let's get into the important part. That's the start and sit. For Tennessee, who do you like, Coach? So let's start with the quarterback room. So Pittsburgh's given up as 15th in points per game allowed and 17th in passing yards allowed to quarterbacks, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. If you Again, Will Levis, QB6 last week at 26.6 points. We went through his stats a little bit ago. Low to mid QB2 projection for me this week against a defense that can pressure the quarterback. That drop, And here's the deal. That drops if DeAndre Hopkins can't go with the toe injury. As of right now, we think he's going to play, but it's a little bit more concerning. He did not practice today after a limited practice yesterday. So some concerns there. I do think he'll end up playing. But these are reps you're not getting in practice with Olevis right now. Um, and you could say, hey, the chemistry is obviously there after four touchdowns. But running back room for, for uh, Tennessee, it's Derrick Henry, 17.8 fantasy points per game over the last two. Went over 100 last week and what should have been a very difficult matchup. So I like Derrick Henry as a start. My other start I like is DeAndre Hopkins. If he plays, finishes the wide receiver, two, wide receiver two last week. I like DeAndre Hopkins again this week if he plays. That's it. Those are the only starts I've got is Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins because Will Levis, is a. have got him as QB 18, which is a, a mid uh, QB 2. Depends on who you have that you might have to play him this week with, with the bye weeks. But as far as sits go, I've got Nick Westbrook, a kind sitting, just five grabs on nine targets for 67 yards over the last three weeks. And I'm sitting Chigakonkwo. He's tied in 31 on the season. There's 32 teams. You guys can do the math. He's only surpassed eight points and no double-digit games at all this year in PPR format. So not starting Chigakonkwo. For Pittsburgh on the other side. Well, we'll hold up real quick yeah, before you want to add something? Yeah. 
Traylon Burks, you didn't mention him, and I realize he had no receptions yep. last week after coming back. Um, I recently made a deal where he was almost just the throw-in, and I felt like that's not a bad throw-in. You're talking about a second-year. Oh, agreed. Receipt. Say that again. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's a good throw-in. Yeah, it's yeah. still concerning when, um, you know, A, you struggle with injuries, and now after a big game in the passing offense, they're not – really looking for him. Uh, it's kind of yeah, tough. Two targets last week with zero grabs and the four games he has played this year, only six grabs on 16 targets for 99 yards and no score. So I don't have him as a must sit or a start because the reality is if DeAndre Hopkins is out with a toe injury, Traylon Burks is going to get some volume. So I didn't have him as a start or sit, but certainly had some notes on him. All right. Give us the Pittsburgh side coach. So on the Pittsburgh start side, we'll start with the QB room. Look, Pittsburgh's go is 29th in scoring 28th in rushing yards and 25th in passing yards allowed. It's not been pretty, that Pittsburgh defense. So you start in the quarterback room for Pittsburgh. Is, I'm sorry, on the offensive side. The quarterback room, Tennessee is 15th in fantasy points per game to quarterback, so mid. Um, I don't have Kenny Pickett as a must start, although I definitely like their chances with him there versus Mitch Trubisky. He's only got five touchdown passes on the season and dealing with a little bit of a rib injury. Uh, running back room, do not love Najee Harris. He's RB32 on the season. Uh, averaging only eight and a half points per game in a PPR format. Yes, he was targeted five times last week, but not one game this season. This was a this was a guy that was a volume play that I compared to Zeke Elliott for the year starting. He has to see the volume to be relevant because he doesn't get enough in the passing work. He did his rookie year. That came down quite a bit last year, and it's come down quite a bit again this year. He doesn't have a single game over 20 or more carries or 71 yards rushing in any game this year. So I'm out on Najee Harris. Jalen Warren, RB28 on the season, 9.7 fantasy points per game. Out-targeted last week by Najee Harris, which is not was supposed to be the Jalen Warren role. So I'm out on Jalen Warren as well this week. As far as starts go, I'm starting the wide receiver room. And to me, there's only two guys in that room that, that are worth it. That's Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 20 over the last two weeks. Uh, in those last two games since his return, he's been targeted 20 times, 13 grabs for, two, for 164 yards. It's a great matchup this week. And then George Pickens. Wide receiver 28 over the last three is at 15 and a half PPR points per game. Did see a season low of five targets last week, but um, in his first game back with, with Deontay Johnson two weeks ago, he had eight targets, five grabs, over 100 yards. I think we're going to see somewhere in between that, six, five or six grabs, 70, 80 yards, and he's always got the potential to find the end zone. So I like George Pickens this week. I'm not starting tight end room. Tennessee is very good against the tight end position. They're fourth in fantasy points per game allowed and have not given up a single touchdown to the tight ends this year. So Connor Hayward is not a start for me at all. He's a set. The tight end 30 coming in this week. Crazy. Crazy how, uh, you know, that side of the ball has really struggled for Pittsburgh. Yeah. You kind of expected a heck of a lot more out of them. You sure um, Before we move on to the next game, uh, who are some running backs? Let's put Bryce's question up. Bryce, I'm assuming this is redraft. Um, who are some running backs I can get for Mostert? Uh, I, I think a lot of people know A-Chan's going to be back by week 10. I think it's week 10 or week 11 he can come back. Um, with that being said, uh, Mostert, if you can get uh, Jamal Williams, I really like what we saw out of Jamal Williams the other day. If you can get someone who might be a notch or two higher, if you want to get someone you know, at the top tier, you're probably going to have to package someone with Mostert. Yeah, the problem with Mostert is to me the buy the buy the the sell high window was probably a week ago because now you're so close to getting Devin Achan back after the bye week and now you got Jeff Wilson who didn't get do anything last week 
but we know what Jeff Wilson's done historically. So for me, I like to be a little bit early on that. And the time to sell Raheem Mostert as far as selling him high was probably a week ago. Because now people are starting to see that, hey, those some of those, he's 31. At, at some point, wheels are going to fall off. You got to believe. So. Yeah, and it's not just the wheels are going to fall off. There, there's, uh, there's other players coming back. Um, yep. And one who's shining pretty damn good early in the season. Let's move on to Thursday morning, excuse me, Sunday morning football in Germany. We've got Miami Dolphins. This is probably the best game of the day. And you got to wake up if you're in my side of the country. We got to wake up at 6 30 in the morning to watch it. Uh, but that's Miami Dolphins, six and two at Kansas City, which really isn't at, but they're six and two as well. Who wins? Um, I think this is a big game for Miami. Everyone's talked about how Miami hasn't been able. They lost to Buffalo. Um, and they also lost to who was their second loss to another team where, you know, you got to see if they can really beat good competition. So I, I like Miami. I, I think Miami pulls it out. I think we see um, them winning by a score of like 27, 24 coach. What about you? I know, I know you're going the other direction. I think. No, I I've got the dolphins too. I've got them winning 31, 31, 24. Um, I think it's going to be, and look, I think what's crazy is you've seen how the Chiefs have played defensively and they've they've played better, but then you see what happened with Denver. And so now you kind of go, okay, well, now you got Miami Dolphins coming into town. Mostert is healthy. You've got Tyreek Hill. You've got Jalen Waddell. I, I just think it's a situation where two is playing at a very, very high level, and we're going to get into him probably in a little bit. But I just feel like right now the Chiefs are reeling. However, this is a home game. I expect – or it's, it's a home it's game a home in Germany, game. though, Coach. In Germany, which means what? Taylor Swift's probably not going to be there. So Miami <laughs> Dolphins. If there's a tiebreaker, that's it for me. There you go. No Taylor, no win. That's right. All right, let's get into uh, the line. Kansas City is actually the favorite at minus 2.5. Over and under is 51. Uh, that's right where I'm at with my pick. You are a little bit high. You're the over. Um, but for Miami, start and sit. I mean, this is kind of a, a, a team that if you got a player on this team, unless they're a tight end, you're playing them. So starting Tua, starting Tyreek Hill, starting Waddle. Uh, I do have Mostert as a sit. But, again, more than likely if you have them, you're playing them. Uh, and the reason why I have Mostert as a sit is you brought up Jeff Wilson. Uh, you brought up uh, Kansas City's defense playing a lot better. So if I had to pick a sit out of one of them, it would be Mostert. Other side of the ball, start. Um, you got to start Patrick Mahomes. I know he hasn't been what a lot of people thought he would be at this point. Uh, but you're starting him, you're starting Kelsey, and you're starting Pacheco. Sits, kind of, you know, I, I no one's tooted the horn on this show more for Rishi Rice is the, other than the comments that we get from our boss, Alex, than me. Uh, I love Rishi Rice. Kind of saw a little drop-off last week. Um, until I see more, it's hard for me to put him if he doesn't have a favorable matchup. So I'm sitting all the receivers, MVS, Tony, and Rasheed Rice. Anything you would change with that, Coach? No, I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. You got Jalen Ramsey back last week. I think Xavier Howard, I think, is still out, but I still think that Miami defense can can play well against a passing game. So I'm with you on, on Rasheed Rice. And we both, we both like him, but there are so many receivers in that room, and that wide receiver room just has not paid off, whether – it's timing, whether it's got a choice route and they're making the wrong decision, they should go out and they go in. Something's just off in that wide receiver room. So for me, it's Travis Kelsey, and that's the only guy that 
that I trust in that passing game right now. Well, well what's off is that they've got a very young group. They've got a Absolutely. guy who they thought could replace Tyreek Hill as far as vertically with MVS, who he's not Tyreek Hill. It hasn't worked out. And we know the limitations of Kadarius Tony as far as a receiver. He's a playmaker in open space, but his ability to make the big catch and his ability to find the open spaces has kind of eluded him. So I, I, it's just going to take time. When you've got the contract of the guys that they have with Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, it's tough to – you're going to have some deficiencies in other rooms, and their deficiencies right now are definitely at the wide receiver room. But nobody's going to stop me from loving Rice Rice, and, and I still think we're going to see the big game at some point. You know um, what's interesting about, about Kansas City, too, I was just thinking about is going into last year, you got a lot of people – I was one of them did not have Patrick Mahomes as a QB one going into last season because yeah, Josh lost Tyreek Hill. And we had question marks about the wide receiver room. What does he do? He comes in, he has a great year. They won the Super Bowl. So come into this year, you're like, okay, we've added MVS, right? You had Sky Moore, which people thought year two, he's going to kind of put it together. And so you, and you say, Hey, Travis Kelsey monster year again last year. Why wouldn't we expect Patrick Mahomes to do the exact same thing he did last year? And, when that's falling off a little bit, it's just interesting between this year and last year when that wide receiver room really, in essence, is almost the same. And the expectations were a lot higher for Patrick Mahomes this year than they were because of what he did last year without a great wide receiver. Just interesting to me. It is. It is. But I, I do think um, they're going to develop. And I do think yeah. this isn't going to be a problem. I still think they're going to have to address the position in the offseason. But, uh, man, again, Rasheed Rice is going to be that guy. Uh, before we get into our midseason awards, um, and we're, we're kind of moving pretty quick, but I know you've got a hometown team in the uh, World Series, uh, so uh, we're trying to get you to get to see some of that. Uh, it's all right, man. Hey, it's, it, they're losing one nothing. It's the bottom of the eighth. I don't think it's going to happen. It is what it is. Uh, here we go, Coach. How are you feeling? This is something you definitely are uh, on top of. How are you feeling about Pollard? PPR league got offered Diggs and Pollard for Kamara. Let's hear it, coach. Well, we're looking at two for one, right? I think Kamara is playing extremely well. He's now all of a sudden the RB1 in fantasy points per game because of the receptions he's getting. He's getting targeted like crazy. He's handling 80% of the uh, 70-plus percent of the rush share. So I get the, the desire. But I think what people have to understand, the Dallas Cowboys schedule in terms of Tony Pollard is going to get a little bit easier. Right. They did nothing uh, so at the trade deadline. They did they nothing at the trade deadline. Up. Right. We thought, hey, bring in Derrick Henry, find a thumper. I've been outspoken about it. I don't like seeing the 350 touch pace Tony Pollard. I want to see that 275 pace Tony Pollard. But I think you're going to see Pollard bounce. I think historically what he's done in his career, you're going to start seeing some of the explosiveness come back a little bit. Um, and I think you're getting uh, you're getting digs. Stefan Diggs and a very high powered offense as good as Kamara's playing. I'm still going to go two for one. Kamara over Pollard for sure. You throw in Diggs, that to me flips it completely the other way again. And I'm taking Diggs and Pollard all day long on that one. We're in agreement with that one. We are in agreement because it's, it can only get better. Because, yeah. I mean, he's still good back. The volume is going to be there. Redraft. Say that again. I said the volume is going to be there. So the efficiency yeah. is going to get better. Yep. All right. Hey, let's get into our midseason awards. Uh, we do this every year. We had our picks at the beginning of the year. You stuck a little true to yours from, uh, Prior to the season, I made a couple changes. Before we get in that, we would love – who's your MVP? Go ahead and make a comment. We'll throw it up there. But who's your MVP? Yeah. 
Coach, why don't you kick off your MVP for uh, midway through the season? So I started the year out with Jalen Hurts, and I'm gonna at my mid-season point. I'm still gonna say Jalen Hurts. They're seven and one. They got the best record in football. Uh, he does only have one impressive win against Miami. Um, so, or so to me, that is a tiebreaker. And I'm not. I don't want to give anything away. I shouldn't have said that. Let me let me back up. So I've got Jalen Hurts, Eagles seven and one. He has six consecutive games with 275 or more passing yards. He's completing a career high 68% of his passes. He does have 13 13 touchdown passes to go with 280 yards rushing and another six touchdowns on the ground for 19 total touchdowns. The problem is, and the only knock on Jalen Hurts right now is 11 turnovers. He's got eight interceptions. He's fumbled the ball three times, which is second only to Desmond Ritter, who is now no longer a starter in the NFL, replaced by Taylor Heineke last week. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to put it together in the second half. Look, they've got a very difficult six-game stretch right now. But to me, I'm going to stick with my pick preseason, Jalen Hurts, because best record in the NFL. And I think they just added some pieces with Kevin Byard um, defensively. So I think you're going to see Philadelphia put it together second half of the season. I like as much it. As I hate I to like say that. that. We differ. Say that again, Coach. So as much as I hate to say that as a Cowboys fan, I got to be real. No, he's obviously someone that has come in, second-round pick out of, uh, I was going to say Alabama, but then it happened to be Oklahoma when he was drafted. So yeah. you got to be happy with what we got from Jalen Hurts. But I did go a different direction. Um, and, I, and mine was somewhat of a forecast because I think if you look at the 7-1, uh, I think, you know, your guy is the guy. But I really like what I'm seeing out of Tua. Yeah. And I really, really like how they're being able to protect him. <laughs> Coming into the year, um, I had some worries. You know, you've had the history with the concussion. You've had history of him just not being able to stay healthy for an entire year. That has not been an issue. He's thrown for 2,416 yards, 18 touchdowns. Dolphins are 6-2. and two. Yes, they haven't been able to get that big win yet, but I really like what they've done, and I think they're only going to get better. So it's Tua for me. Yeah, and, and hey, I was almost going to put two as well because I, I get why you would put it. And and I thought you were going to go first on this one, which is why I kind of spoiled when I said my tiebreaker between the two was that Philly's only got one impressive win, but it's against Miami. And Miami has played New England twice. Carolina, who's one and six, the Giants are two and six, the Broncos are three and five, and the Chargers are three and four. Nobody with a winning record. So that was the only knock, you know, against two. It's like there was a tiebreaker. That was a tiebreaker for me. Let's go to your offensive player of the year, coach. This is another one that I know that we differ on. Yeah, so I started the season wanting Justin Herbert because I felt like a quarterback was going to win the MVP, but Justin Herbert was going to have a big year. And first year in the offense with Kellen Moore, then Mike Williams goes down and, and Austin Eckler goes down. But I went Tyreek Hill. Uh, five 100-yard receiving games, four games over 150 yards, one game over 200 yards. He scored a touchdown in all but one game this season. He has eight total touchdowns. He leads the league in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, yards per game, yards per touch. In yards per scrimmage, which is interesting um, when you get to your choice, projecting 130 grabs for 2,155 yards, which would be an NFL record and 17 touchdowns on the season. Can't go wrong with it. The guy is just incredible. He, uh, we say it all the time when we talk about him. He's unguardable. He's he's much more than just a vertical threat like so many people no. thought. Uh, he's been fun to watch, and I love his maturation, and uh, I like the pick. I went a different direction. I went with a running back. And that's Christian McCaffrey, 652 yards rushing, nine touchdowns, 32 receptions for 292 yards, and another four touchdowns. Um, he's been everything they could have ever hoped for when they traded a boatload last year to get him from Carolina. 
Yeah, I'm going to give you a stat. I got this off NFL Fantasy on Instagram. The difference between Christian McCaffrey. I thought you said it's called IG. IG. You're right. I was trying to be cool with the cool kids. You're right. On IG. I guess that's what they call it. The difference between Christian McCaffrey and the RB5 is greater than the difference between the RB5 and RB53. So put that in perspective. Christian McCaffrey has 200.4 PPR points. The RB5 is DeAndre Swift, has 120.6, so about 80-point difference. DeAndre Swift, RB53, is Rashawn Johnson at 41.1, difference of 79 points. That is, that is a crazy stat that he's that right. far ahead of the RB5. That's how good. I mean, he's almost like, is. you know, a lot of people talk about you got to get – Travis yeah. Kelsey is a first-round pick for so many people because the difference between him and every other tight end is so huge. Yeah. You got to win almost just by having him. And Christian McCaffrey's kind of like that with the running back spot. No, for sure. All right, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, let me go first this time. And, and, you know, it's weird. I said I, I'm kind of – foreshadowing what I expect to happen from Tua, but I wouldn't be surprised if Puka does see a little bit of a downtick with Cup being back. We've already kind of seen it. Now we have an injury uh, to Matthew Stafford, but Puka Nakua, 61 receptions, 795 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, The guy's on a pace that not many people have been on before as a rookie, and for that reason, he's my offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, not bad for a little kid out of uh, BYU. Projecting 189 grabs for almost 1,700 yards. The only thing that's different is it's only four touchdowns. You look at the amount of grabs, the amount of yards, right. but not converting those to touchdowns um, is, is tough. Man, I love Puka Nakua, and that's such a great pick. I went, I went C.J. Stroud, and I went C.J. Stroud because we're talking about a Houston team that just got absolutely butchered with the previous coaching staff, right, before they brought in um, – I don't know why I can't remember his name now – former Houston Texan player – uh, D'Amico, uh, D'Amico Ryan's. Ryan's. Yeah. Jesus. Houston was three 13 and one last year. They are now three and four. They've won as many games in seven games this year as they won in 17 games last year. They're only one game back. I get it, it's early in the season, but you've got Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati all at four and three. They're technically only one game back from being in the playoffs. If, if the season were to end today. So what he has been able to do completing 60% of his passes as a rookie 1,800 yards, nine touchdowns, and just one interception. So he's pacing for 22 touchdowns, not necessarily a great number, especially in a 17-game schedule, but over 4,300 yards passing, only two interceptions. So his ability to take care of the football, put him in good situations. You've got Nico Collins. You went out and brought in Dalton Schultz. You have Tank Dell. I like the direction the Houston offense is going, and I like the direction C.J. Stroud's going. I like the direction he's going, too. It's not often that I – make trades for a quarterback or it's I, I don't like using draft capital on a quarterback in my one quarterback league, but you know, I thought I was going to kind of cheat the system and get a great quarterback in Jordan love uh, just by picking him off the waiver wires and thinking, you know, one quarterback leagues, quarterbacks don't matter. Look, Jordan loves going to be fine. But unfortunately he hasn't been fine. Yeah. You know, I, all I could do at the beginning of the year was toot his horn and talk about how it, excited I was about the former first round pick in a system where they've sat, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers for three years. I thought the blueprint was leading us to the same direction. And unfortunately it hasn't happened. So I went ahead and did something I don't like doing. And I've traded a future first rounder for CJ Stroud. So I hope you're right. I hope it continues and I hope it only gets better. Uh, Let's move on. Defensive player of the year. Um, I'll go first on this one. I don't think this is who I predicted at the beginning of the year. 
but I absolutely love what I'm seeing from Miles Garrett. Number one defense in football, in my opinion, um, 24 ta- total tackles, 8.5 sacks. Um, he's someone that is just, when he's on the field, you can't help but watch him. Yeah, he's so dominant, man. He's an absolute monster, but PFF, he's a 93.1 overall PFF grade, which is first at the DN, at the edge position, 94.5 PFF grade in pass rush grade. That's number one at the defensive end position. So Miles Garrett, to me, as much as I love Micah Parsons, who was my preseason pick for this award, I think it's Miles Garrett. He's getting home. That's the difference between him and, and Micah Parsons right now is Micah Parsons started off the year getting some sacks, but he's kind of toned down a little bit. Right. So it's Miles Garrett for me. How about your defensive rookie of the year? I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah. So, hey, Cowboy fan gave a lot of Philly love on this show. Yeah, so Philly you fans, are. Don't say I can't be, I can't be fair. Yeah, I went Jalen Carter, uh, 91.6 overall PFF grade. That's number two in the NFL as a rookie. 90.1 pass rush grade, number three in the NFL as a rookie. He's got four sacks. He, he collapses the pocket. He's forced 20 hurries, 28 pressures by a defensive tackle. To me, in my opinion, he is the closest thing to Aaron Donald we have in this league. You look at the trajectory of where I think his career can go, how he can affect the passing game and the run game. He's going to be an absolute menace. And he was, let's be honest, this is why they felt like they can move on from Javon Hargrave. Is you've got Jordan Davis and now you've got Jalen Carter as your one and three technique in that defensive line. And that's scary good, man. That's like 900 pounds almost of yeah. just beef in the middle that uh, with guys that are complete athletes. It's, yeah. it's scary to watch when you see those two guys on the field. Uh, mine, I went a different direction. And you know, I went with Devin Witherspoon, fifth round, or not fifth round, fifth overall pick out of Illinois, cornerback. Love uh, it. 33 tackles, two sacks, one interception, defensive touchdown on the year. And he's done this after not really playing the first two or three games because of injury going into the year. But he is a force. He is fun to watch. The guy is about as physical as you can see or as you can get from a DB. He comes up. Uh, is it afraid to mix it up? You see the two sacks. He's a part of every aspect of, of the game. I love the kid. Yeah, there's there's nothing not to like. And there was a lot of guys going into the, coming into this year's draft, Damon Parsons being one of them, who we both know and love, has been on the show. But um, very high upside, very high, plays with physicality, doesn't have the size of some of the other corners that came in the draft in terms of height and the length that some of these NFL uh, defensive coordinators look for. But Man, he plays a physical brand of football. He plays bigger than his size. I love Devin Witherspoon. He's a highlight film to watch. He is. He, he's so much. You can't help but watch him. Uh, before we get into our Super Bowl prediction, and I think we're not that different than we were. At least I don't think I'm different than I was at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, but here we go. Thoughts on a move that I just made. Traded Deontay Johnson, Michael Thomas, and Deontay Foreman for Metcalf and Gus Edwards. Um, I love the move for two reasons. First and foremost, uh, you're not getting a lot out of Michael Thomas. He's getting you probably like eight, uh, you know, about eight PPR points a game. He's 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 a good mid receiver at this point in his career. Deontay Johnson has struggled with injury, got hurt again last week. He should play this week, but it's something that he's kind of always struggled with. And Deontay, for actually Dante Foreman's role is going to continue to change with Rashawn Johnson's development and with uh, – Herbert coming back in two weeks. So I love the move. I feel like you're getting a quality receiver in Metcalf. 
and you're getting a guy in Gus Edwards who's obviously the number one back there. That's not going to change this year. They're number, they're another team that was trying to make a move for a running back yesterday. In fact, I think the Raiders probably missed an opportunity to trade uh, Jacobs. Uh, they wanted a second for him, and, and you know, Baltimore wasn't able to do that or wasn't willing to do that. So I like the move. Yeah, I do think it's close. Um, I, I, I like Deontay Johnson rest of season. But I do think Metcalf and Gus Edwards, to your point, and I was going to hit on that, is one of the big winners in the trade deadline was Gus Edwards because they did not bring in a running back. He is the clear RB1 now in that, that offense and is a running offense. So I like the move as well. Another deal down here at the bottom, we got Neil. Neil wants to know, would you do Najee and Puka for Bijan and Terry? Yes, please. Let's do yeah. this right now. 100% I would. Yeah. We, we already know. I just talked about Puka. My love for Puka. Um, but I don't know if he's going to stay in what he's done early on for a couple reasons. And we've talked about over and over again how Najee is just not that guy anymore. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think it's – we love Puka. We, we really do. John Robinson is a generational talent, and Terry McLaurin is a guy that's going to be the wide receiver one in that Washington offense. You're starting to see them air it out a little bit more with Eric Bieniemy and, and Sam Howell emerging as a, as a – Crazy as it sounds, he's ranked as a QB one. I, I think Terry 12. McLaren, Terry McLaren yeah. is one of the most underrated guys. I love him. There. If he uh, played a in a high-profile offense, he, he's and they're getting better though. I mean, Sam Howell is. Sure. They're getting better. Um, I love the guy. The only problem I have is that I play in my home league. Every league I talk about is always. If I talk about a league on here, ninety-nine percent of the time it's going to be about my one quarterback home league. But I got yeah. McLaren, and and I love the guy. Uh, but unfortunately, I've got guys like CeeDee Lamb, Garrett Wilson, uh, even Puka that just kind of make it tough for me to play him. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he is just someone that you can consistently count on. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. You don't have to convince me, man. I'm, I'm All right, you. Super Bowl prediction. Let's have you go first. Um, what, what do you like uh, looking at where we're at right now? So mine hasn't changed. Philadelphia Eagles, I think coming this year, they have the best roster in the NFL. Um, I don't think that's really changed in my opinion, although you could argue San Francisco with the addition of, um, we talked about that trade earlier today and what they added to that defensive line, but why change now? Now, the reality is best record in the NFL, 7-1. I think Jalen Hurts is your MVP. The next, the next six games are going to tell you everything you need to know. You've got Dallas twice. You go to Kansas City. You've got Buffalo. You've got San Francisco. You've got at Seattle. So those next six games are going to tell you everything you know about where they're at. But here's the deal. Even if they come out of that three and three and they don't win the division, that's still my pick to win it all because now you're battle tested. You've played the best of the best. You've got an opportunity to take a look at a team you could play in the Super Bowl at Casey and Buffalo, and you've got a chance to get a look at Dallas and San Francisco. You might play an NFC championship game or in the second round of the playoffs. So now you're battle tested. If you can get through that gauntlet and stay healthy, to me, it's still Philadelphia – uh, to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I'm on the same boat, and I got them beating Kansas City. So I just love what they're doing. I feel you talk about battle tested. It's not just this year. It goes back to last year. They, they made it to the big show. They weren't – and they were right in it. I think Jalen Hurts might have been the best player on the field in that game. Um, so, so we're on the same page. Philadelphia, great first half of the year. I wish we could have done without a heck of a lot of the injuries. Yeah. But uh, it's fun to watch some of these rookies starting to pop and some of these young quarterbacks getting an opportunity. But uh, great show, Coach. Appreciate you as always. 
Everybody, we're back on Sunday morning for our start and sit show. We do have a 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, game coming on with the uh, Kansas City-Miami game. We won't be on prior to that, but we will be on 8.30 Pacific Time uh, for our start and sit show. Coach, glad that we're able to get back into it. Missed you, brother, and uh, thank you so much. Hey, miss you too, and hey to Ryan Bendel. I may be a Cowboys fan but I always make sure I make the best pick possible for you guys. So uh, yeah. if I'm staying true to who I really truly believe, it's definitely the Eagles, man. I know as an Eagles fan, you love to hear it. So appreciate you, Brett. Love being on the show with you. We'll see you Sunday morning. All right, everyone. Have a great night.